Hello, my name is Jason Ziegler, and today's scripture reading comes from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5-10. through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you, and you have continued to show this great faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey Grace242, the newlywed game was a long-running game show where newly married couples attempt to match answers as a way of determining how well they know one another. For instance, let's watch a question. Probably single. Single? Your husband said you look married. Oh, bummer. You said you like being married. <laughs> single. No, 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 no. Single. Single. The whole point of the show was for the couples to anticipate how their spouse would answer the question. The logic is that the couples who knew one another the best, or were most attuned to one another, would walk away with the winning prize. Today we are finishing up our Sunday School Summer Series with Solomon asking the Lord for wisdom. And what we're going to see today is that wisdom is more than just knowledge. Wisdom flows from our relationship with God. The couples who knew one another the best, the couples who learned one another, the couples who invested in their relationship with one another, knew the most about one another. And similarly, wisdom flows out of our knowledge of, out of our relationship with God. 1 Kings chapter 3 picks up after a violent transition from David to King Solomon. And chapter 3 opens painting a largely positive portrait of King Solomon. For instance, verse 1 mentions Solomon's commitment to the temple building project. And the first part of verse 3 says, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father. And verse 4 continues, The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. But despite this largely positive portrait, the narrator is already dropping hints of Solomon's shadow side. In verse 1, Solomon marries the daughter of Pharaoh as part of a political alliance with Egypt. And we know that Solomon's 700 wives would be his main downfall as a king. Well, why? Because they led his heart astray from Yahweh. And the narrator also notes this in the latter part of verse 3, which says, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. So go back to verse 4, which locates Solomon at Gibeon. Gibeon is only five and a half miles north of Jerusalem, and because the temple was under construction in Jerusalem, the tabernacle had been set up in Gibeon. So Solomon is there worshiping Yahweh and offering sacrifices when God appears to him in a dream. Now just as a quick sidebar here, Solomon is having a dream and the Lord is speaking to him. And what I'm learning is that the Lord does in fact speak through dreams. 
And this is relatively new for me because there was a time in my life, not that long ago, when the idea of God speaking through dreams would have been way too woo-woo or out there for me to even comprehend. But that position of God not speaking through dreams is ridiculous because we see it over and over again in the Bible where the Lord speaks to people through dreams. And so the Lord has been speaking through dreams to me, so much so, so loudly, that it's actually prompted action and change in my life. I've done things as a result of hearing the Lord speak to me through dreams. And so the Lord does, in fact, speak through dreams. However, we need to make sure that those dreams are in a line with Scripture because the Lord will never contradict His written word. And then I'd also go one step further and say that when we sense the Lord is speaking through dreams, not only do we submit that to Scripture to make sure it's in line with what He says in His written word, but it's also a good idea to submit that to trusted friends who also are firm believers and know God's word well, so they can help you discern and affirm or deny whether or not they sense that was the Lord speaking. All this just to say that the Lord does indeed speak through dreams, and here we see God speaking to Solomon through a dream. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. God appears to Solomon and says, Ask me, and I'll give you whatever you want. And Jesus essentially says the same thing in John 14, and we'll read verses 13 to 14. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the Lord appears to Solomon and says, ask me and I'll do what you ask. And let's see what Solomon asks the Lord. Look at verse 9 of 1 Kings chapter 3. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? I want to camp out here in verse 9 for a while because it's in verse 9 that we see three requirements of wisdom. Let's look at verse 9. Solomon asks God in verse 9 for an understanding heart. For the Hebrews, the heart was viewed as the seat of the mind and will. This is why some translations use the word mind, rendering this understanding mind or listening mind. What Solomon is asking for here is a mind that thinks God's thoughts and a will to do, obey, and take action upon God's thoughts. Solomon is asking for an obedient heart. Wisdom requires a heart that obeys God. This is the first requirement of wisdom, an obedient heart. Wisdom flows from our relationship with God. And as we develop our relationship with God, we begin to think God's thoughts after him. His thoughts become our thoughts. But just thinking his thoughts is only the first part. We don't want to just think his thoughts. We want to take action upon those thoughts. We want to think God's thoughts after him, but then we want to take action upon those thoughts and do something according to those thoughts. Here's what James 1 verse 22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. I'm a husband, so let me just use a marriage example here. How many husbands have ever been watching a show and it's the night before garbage night and you think to yourself, oh, garbage pickup tomorrow. My wife would probably want me to wheel the cans down to the end of the driveway so that we're ready to go in the morning so that when things get busy tomorrow morning, we don't forget to wheel the cans out for garbage day. Ah, but I'm so comfortable here on the couch watching my show. Yeah, I'll just do it tomorrow. Right? How many times have we been in the spot where we think the thoughts of our wives 
but then we think, nah, not gonna do that. We don't follow it up with action. The first requirement of wisdom is an obedient heart, one that thinks God's thoughts after him, but then takes action upon those thoughts. I think Romans 12 verse 2 really sums this up for us, reading from the ESV, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, renew your mind so that your thoughts align with God's thoughts, and then once that happens, then align your wills. Then you will know what God's will is, and you can take action upon God's will. The first requirement of wisdom is an obedient heart. Now let's look at the second requirement of wisdom. Back to verse 9. Solomon asks God to govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Wisdom requires discerning right and wrong, but not discerning right and wrong as we would define them, rather discerning right and wrong as God defines them. It's at this moment that Solomon is contrasting the Garden of Eden. Solomon is succeeding where Adam and Eve failed. Solomon wants to govern submitting to God's definition of right and wrong. He wants to govern discerning right and wrong on God's terms. But this is in contrast to Adam and Eve. Look at Genesis 1.28, and there's a clue word for us in verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Adam and Eve were appointed to be God's governors, to rule the earth on God's behalf, to govern the earth under God's authority, to govern defining right and wrong as God defines right and wrong. However, that did not last very long. They didn't govern on God's terms for very long. Eve took and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She seized the power of discerning right and wrong for herself. She wanted to define right and wrong on her own terms. But here Solomon, as the new governor of God's people, retracts his hand from the tree. Solomon does the opposite of Adam and Eve. Rather than seizing the definitions of right and wrong for himself, he retracts his hand and he says, No, God, I want to govern your people, discerning right and wrong as you define them, Lord. I don't want my own definitions of right and wrong. I want to be a governor who submits to your definitions of right and wrong. Wisdom requires discerning right and wrong, but not on our terms, on God's terms. This transitions us to the third requirement of wisdom that we see in verse 9. Solomon is the new governor of God's people. He is the new king of God's people. And as the new governor of God's people, he asks to govern your people well. Solomon wants to exercise sound judgment. The third requirement of wisdom is exercising sound judgment. Earlier in this message, we said that the first requirement of wisdom is an obedient heart. An obedient heart thinks God's thoughts after him and then acts upon these thoughts. We might say that this third requirement, exercising sound judgment, is the movement from thoughts to action. Exercising sound judgment is the process of converting thoughts into action. Wisdom is more than just knowledge. Wisdom is applying that knowledge. It is taking action upon that knowledge. It is exercising sound judgment. It is exercising that knowledge. Earlier this year, back in May, I had the opportunity to serve as an assessor, as an encourager on 
an eco-ordination intensive. And so these are ordination candidates within our denomination, eco. And it's my job as an assessor to evaluate them, to encourage them, to be sure that the candidates are getting what they need out of the ordination process. And so I'm in the Twin Cities at another eco church serving as an assessor. And there was another assessor there who's a pastor at a church in Connecticut. And that assessor's name also happens to be Bill. And at one point they asked us assessors to tell the candidates something we wish we would have learned in seminary. And when it was Bill's turn, he stood up and Bill said, I wish I would have learned in seminary anything practical. He said, quite frankly, I would have been happy to learn anything practical. And Bill went on to explain that he had graduated seminary with all of this knowledge in his head, but no idea how to put that knowledge into practice. Now, the interesting thing is that when I first laid eyes upon Bill Gestel, is his name, I had this deep sense of respect for the guy. Something about the way he carried himself just made me respect him. And I went up to him on the first day and I said, Bill, I said, we don't even know each other. And I've said maybe two sentences to you. I said, but I just have this sense of respect for you. And I said, what is it about you that makes me respect you when I don't even know you? And Bill said, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. And then on the last day of the retreat, Bill drew me aside and he said, I've been thinking about what you said. And he said, I think I know what it is about me that prompted you to respect me. He said, I think what you're seeing in me when you look at me is someone who has wanted nothing more than for his entire lifetime but to walk faithfully with the Lord. He said, I think you're seeing within me the pain and the heartache and the challenges and the difficulty of a life lived in service and faithfulness to the Lord. And those are the experiences that have shaped me into the pastor, into the person that I am today. And it occurred to me in that moment that Bill Gestel is a walking picture of wisdom Here's someone who, as a young graduate of seminary, had all this knowledge in his head, but through a life of walking faithfully with the Lord, has learned how to apply that knowledge, has learned how to put thoughts into action, has learned how to exercise sound judgment. Bill Gestel, as someone who I respect, is somebody who knows a thing or two because he's gained a lifetime of experience. He knows a thing or two about wisdom. Solomon asks the Lord to govern the people well. He doesn't just want to be the governor. He wants to govern the people well. And the difference between being the governor and governing well, that difference is wisdom. That difference is exercising sound judgment. He doesn't just want to have knowledge up here. He wants to have knowledge applied prudently. He wants to exercise sound judgment. This is the third requirement of wisdom exercising sound judgment. Well, that still leaves the question for us, how do we gain wisdom? How do we become wise? Well, I think there are two actions for us that we need to take in order to gain wisdom. The first step in gaining wisdom is to ask Him. If you want to be wise, then ask God for wisdom. Solomon did. Solomon asked God for wisdom in 1 Kings 3 verse 9. But look also what James says in chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God for it. This is the first action. If you want to be wise, ask God. Ask him for it. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor. And I think he has the gift of insight 
and seeing into situations and the problems of people's lives and he just has this amazing pastoral skill of seeing into a situation and giving people wise advice and I've told him I said you are wise you have wisdom and he said to me he said really he said thanks for saying that he said I do make a habit of asking God for wisdom and I said oh really the Lord says if you want wisdom ask me for it and you're telling me that you asked him for it and he gave it to you <laughs> right it's kind of sarcastic right I mean who would have thought the Lord actually will do what he says he will do so if you want wisdom ask God for it that's the first action is to ask God for wisdom how do you become wise well number one you ask him for wisdom and number two you learn him if you want to become wise, you have to learn Him. You have to learn God. You have to invest in your relationship with Him. Earlier in this message, I said that wisdom flows from our relationship with God. Look at what Proverbs 9 verse 10 says. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. What's the foundation of wisdom? Fear of the Lord. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Fear of the Lord, knowing the Lord, is the foundation of wisdom. If you want wisdom, you need to learn him. Now go back to James 1 verse 5. Remember, James 1 5 says, if you want wisdom, ask God for it. But now look at what he says in verse 6. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. James 1 5 says, ask God for wisdom, but then 1.6 says, but ask God out of a place of loyalty to him, out of a place of commitment to him. When we ask God for wisdom, we ask out of our relationship with him. This is not just like asking for extra butter to go with your baguette on the side at Panera. No, this is an ask of a husband to a wife or from a wife to a husband. This is a, honey, can you pick up the kids today because I'm running late? Well, of course, I'm happy to do that for you because I love you and I'm married to you. This is an ask that comes out of a deep and abiding relationship with the Lord. And so how do we gain wisdom? We ask him, but we ask him out of a place of learning him. We ask him out of a place of relationship. Look back at 1 Kings 3, but we'll read verse 6. And this is the lead up to verse 9 where Solomon makes the ask. Look at what Solomon says in the lead up in verse 6. Solomon replied, You showed faithful love to your servant my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Solomon is asking for wisdom out of a relationship that actually predates me. He says, My father was faithful to you, and now I want to be faithful to you. And Solomon asks, for wisdom out of that place of a relationship with God, out of a place of wanting to know God, out of a place of learning God. And then in verse 9, Solomon asks for wisdom out of that very place, out of a place that says, God, I want to be obedient to you. I want to think your thoughts after you. I want to act upon those thoughts. God, I want to govern discerning right and wrong as you define it. Not for myself. I want to be a good governor who defines right and wrong as you define it. And then lastly, I want to exercise sound judgment. I want to put those thoughts into action. I want to take this knowledge you've given me and I want to enact it and exercise sound judgment. That's the place that Solomon asks for wisdom out of. In the newlywed game, the couples who learned one another, the couples who invested in one another, 
knew the most about one another and did the best in the game and had the most knowledge of one another and could anticipate what the other would say. And the same goes for us with wisdom. We ask for wisdom out of a place of learning God, out of a place of being in relationship with God. So how do we gain wisdom? How do we become wise? Number one, ask Him. And number two, learn Him. Turn to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. We gain wisdom by asking God, but we ask Him out of a place of learning Him. And in 1 Corinthians 30, God takes a massive leap our way. He takes a massive leap toward us so that we can learn Him, so that we can invest in our relationship with Him. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and He freed us from sin. God made His Son to be wisdom incarnate. He took wisdom and He put flesh on it when He sent His Son Jesus to us. And so how do we gain wisdom? We gain wisdom by learning the one who became like us to save us, by worshiping the one who became one of us in order to save us, wisdom himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Couples who united under the commitment to learn one another did the best in the newlywed game. Similarly, when we unite ourselves to Christ, when we unite ourselves to wisdom himself, and commit ourselves to learning Him and to being in relationship with Him. That is how we grow wise. I'll see you next time, Grace242. Love ya.